Every year, TCOM selects an individual whose work exemplifies the ever-evolving mission to create and improve helping systems. And that person is honored with the TCOM Champions Award, presented during TCOM's annual conference. I'm Timothy Fall, creative producer for the University of Kentucky's Center for Innovation in Population Health, the IF Center. Along with IF Center director and TCOM's original developer, Dr. John Lyons, and producer Lauren Mergen, I'm making the conversational rounds of past winners of the TCOM Champions Award, learning how the TCOM tools have transformed the way these champions help others. You're listening to Tales from the Collaborative. My guest, Kyla Clark, initially pursued a degree in early childhood education, but she found her passion for social work while serving an internship at a behavioral health institute. She went on to earn a degree in child psychology, and she went to work as a preschool teacher in a program that combined social work with education. So, although Kyla doesn't hold a degree in social work, she tells us very convincingly how experience combined with her education prepared her for a 16-year career as a program administrator in Utah's child welfare system. One big highlight of that experience has been Kyla's innovative involvement with the CANS. Although, at first, she was, well, not exactly convinced that the CANS was right for her agency. I was introduced to TCOM as a worker when we rolled out the initial CANS um, back in about 2010. And I will be honest about the fact that I was one of those resistant. I was going to find my way around it. It was one more thing. <laughs> um, and so when I got my position at the state office during our 4E waiver demonstration, there were three parts to our demonstration. And one was taking the cans to our in-home or doing a fast version for our in-home cases. And I was like sitting in the room while they were doling out assignments going, oh, please, not that one. Oh, please, not that one. And I got that one. Uh, uh, and so that was kind of this moment of, I'm going to learn to love this thing. And the second we got into it, the more I realized I was so wrong. And we had lost some really important messaging in our rollout. So we learned a lot of lessons about how you engage the front line and how you roll out a tool like uh, a cans or, or in our case, Utah's a problem child. Um, we have a hybrid of the CANS and the FAST, known as the UFACET, the Utah Family and Children Engagement Tool. Um, so ours is used regardless of whether you're in or out of state's custody. And our tool has actually been able to expand beyond just child welfare. We'll talk more about that in a sec. Well, so tell me, you personally, what was your professional path to ending up where you are right now? Okay, so um, I went to college right out of high school. I was going to be an early childhood educator um, was about halfway through that degree when I did an internship at a behavioral health institute and sort of fell in love with social work. So I ended up getting a degree in child psychology instead of early childhood education, but then ended up being a preschool teacher for seven years in a uh, program to help parents learn English and get a high school diploma while their children were in on-site childcare. So it was a social work education combo job. Um, and then I came to work for DCFS 
shortly thereafter and have just worked my way up through child welfare for the last 16 years. So I technically don't have a social work degree. I I don't use any of my degree (laughs) the way I was supposed to. But somehow it all worked together. A lot of people don't, right? You, we figure out a way to synthesize this into that. Yeah. And it, and it's like, oh, the, the the whole is greater than the sum of this part and this part. That's interesting. Absolutely, yeah. Well, so what's your initial like bump up against TCOM? So we were, I was a caseworker at the time. It was rolled out. We went to one training that said, hey, we're going to use this assessment tool. It's going to help us. It was very much pitched as a level of care tool for our kids having to be an out-of-home placement. Uh, especially our higher levels of care placement. The emphasis was really on just getting those scores that justified your placement. And then, to be honest, Utah's computer system, the way it was programmed, you kind of manipulated it until you got the level you wanted. Uh, And so a lot of it, it just felt like paperwork. Um, I think there was not a lot of time put into its implementation. It just had to be kind of implemented really fast. And this is when Tanya had been part of that initial implementation. She had been frustrated with the support that it had been getting, you know, and how fast she had to roll it out. Tanya is Tanya Albornoz, who worked alongside Kyla for years. Although Tanya has now moved on to Utah's State Board of Education, she and Kyla together co-managed the CANS rollout in Utah. In fact, they shared the 2018 TCOM Champions Award. And, you know, if you subscribe to this podcast, you might just hear more from Tanya's side of this story. You might. I'm just saying. So she was very excited when it became like someone else is going to get on this train with me because I need someone else to help get people to understand. Um, And so one of the big things under our waiver was almost a rebranding. We knew we were going to implement the FAST. And I still, to this day, remember one of our regional directors who actually went on to be our director for child welfare, who just recently retired, was like, well, you can't call it the fast because it's nothing fast about it at all. And it was kind of, I mean, there was some definite bad taste. Mm-hmm. And so it felt a little bit like, oh my God, we're going to have this uphill battle. And so one of the things that was also happening simultaneously was we were rolling out the... Um, Strengthening Families Protective Factors from the Center for the Study of Social Policy. That was also part of our Weber demonstration. And so we were like, how do we not do a protective factor survey and this fast and make it feel like extra? How do we make this all work together? So when you look at Utah's UFACET, it was really trying to say, how do we take what, what, what does work with CANS? How do we take what we have to implement with FAST? And how do we take protective factors and marry it into a way that we can convince our frontline this is actually helping them move their cases forward. And it's actually a very TCOM-y approach to it. I think we're kind of back before when when everything was about the tools and, and TCOM was sort of the after conversation. What I love about the community now is that TCOM is the main conversation mm-hmm. and the tools are the supporting yeah. piece of that. Yeah, yeah. And it's been cool to be part of it for the last decade, just watch that that change and that progression, even within this community. So, so where were you in your, like this implementation and your, how you were using those tools when you were chosen, when you're selected to be the TCOM Champions Award winner? We, so we were doing some really exciting things. So things had come really far. So at the point when I was given the assignment, I was panicked. The next year was spent actually with a frontline work group and we went item by item in our version of the cans 
and the version of FAST that we were going to implement. And we went through and we talked about things that people were bumping up against. Mm -hmm. Something that is very common, I'm sure I'm not the only jurisdiction to say it, was we had a lot of pushback on the subjectivity. Because there wasn't, again, a lot of the conversation about consensus building the way there is now. And so we really talked about things back in back then in 2012, 2013, it was still the mild, moderate, severe language on your scoring. And we were one of the first ones that actually reached out to John and said, we'd really like to make this action-based. Like, can we change twos to actionable instead of moderate? And so that was one of the big first, like, can we do that? And he's like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So because these were things that we were getting from this work group and we were meeting weekly for about four hours every Monday for about seven months. Wow. And we went literally definition by definition, line by line items to kind of build what we were going to go out and rebrand and sell. And so when we actually won the award, it was at the height of when our department, so this is in child welfare, DCFS for Utah, our department had started to see the benefit of it, and we had expanded to our juvenile justice system and our high-fidelity RAP system. We're also using this eFacet tool. Um, now we actually have a DSPD version as services for people with disabilities version, as well as a early intervention crisis for our stabilization and mobile response version. So we were really expanding it across our whole department and so that was a really cool time to be able to share that and get to win this this award. It really just felt like, yes, we've accomplished something. We've come really far from kind of this cans that people were manipulating to this tool that really was the center of, of teaming and getting to know families and creating plans and picking interventions. So your um, customizations, I'll say, like your tweaks under the hood, that actually ended up being something that rippled out and became the, the the way those tools are used now, right? Yeah, that, that's like probably my claim to fame. Like that will be on my on my tombstone someday. Was being part of something that actually was implemented across these tools across across this community because I think it was what Utah needed to get out of those. Anybody who's set any sort of training on these tools knows you get into those debates with the people that just want to dig and would just get so hung up on the. We need to do something, but it's but it's a moderate problem, but it's severe. And they would just perseverate and, and get stuck. And this was a really great way to be able to be like, yes, let's take action. Now we just need to decide, yeah. is it like right now or can it wait a minute? Yeah. And that really sort of helped, I think, bring people into it not feeling like, oh, this, you know, people in this line of work are busy. There's a ton of paperwork already. And if it just feels yeah. like check boxes I'm doing for nothing, great. And so the more we could focus on that consensus and conversations with people and agreeing to take action without feeling judgment on having it being mild or moderate or severe, I think we saw a lot of movement come from that. Yeah, and a lot of people responded. A lot of people thought, that's our hang-up too. Putting it in action terms works for works for all of us. So now, I mean, that you said that was about 10 years ago you won the award. What well, you- so we won. When did we win? Let's see. We won in 2018, October 4th of 2018. So five years ago. Got it. Okay. Okay. Man, that means, that means Tanya left me like four Uh. years ago. And that was a great partnership, but it was, it was a hard fought battle, which I think actually made it really well because I came in, she was already the champion, right? She was already sold. She was already deep into the TCOM Kool-Aid. 
And I was the one that came in as a worker who was like, no, we don't like it and it's not working. And so it was a lot of challenging each other. And, and I'm going to be honest, it didn't always go smoothly, but I think we built a really great product out of the fact that we kind of had to push and pull a little bit on how we did it and how we implemented. And then we spent a lot of time with teams working with people in a small group setting so that they could ask those questions and they could push back and we could talk through vignettes. And we really focus on this philosophy of next best question because it's an assessment tool, right? So if you're not sure, if you're stuck between a one and the two, if you're like, "Eh, it could be either, then what's that next question? What do you need to know? What's that next Mm -hmm. part of engaging with the family that pushes you in that we should take action or we shouldn't direction. And it really helps us out. Like when you do it alone, the tool gets harder. When you do this with the people you're supposed to be doing it with, the tool becomes infinitely easier because Mm -hmm. you build that consensus and you decide what you're working on. Mm -hmm. And if you're ever really struggling with it, it's probably because you don't have the right people there to help you decide what needs to be addressed. So is that next best question, is that, kind of something that you scripted you you and tanya came up together and sort of scripted like try going here try going here or is it more of a like an intuitive you're training your uh care providers to be tuned in to come up with the next question so that's how we recertify so we do a lot of um intentionally vague two sentence vignettes right so we've got a situation where mom's letting her kids drink underage. She's partying with her 15-year-olds because she wants to be cool. What do you want to rate that? And immediately someone has a gut reaction, but it's like, okay, but what else would you need to know that helps you decide whether that's immediate action, need to remove those kids from that home? Or And it's amazing because then you start getting all of these other thoughts and ideas that generate from that conversation. Mm. Well, maybe it's cultural. Maybe mom comes from a country where 16-year-olds can drink. Ah. And we have to have that conversation that that's not legal here. Maybe they're from Wisconsin where you can let your kids drink with you. Or, you know, is this because we have a parent who is super enmeshed with their child? And this is the tip of the iceberg of behavior. This is what's overtly happening. But we have all of these other things that we need to unpack. And so it just sort of helps kind of prompt that curiosity because the indicators are great, but it's part of that whole assessment to say, what are the things that this family is really going to engage and work on that leads to that transformational change? Yeah. And so it sounds like since that award, this is what you've continued to work on. Can you tell me like, what is your area of emphasis or maybe have you, have you changed it and shaped it into something new? What are you doing in the space now? And since the award? So we have continued to grow within the health and human services industry. Now the focus is really on making sure that we're using this assessment tool for those families that may cross across our systems. We kind of refer to it as the Russian nesting doll of TCOM. So starting at our stabilization and mobile response, so our crisis units coming out has kind of the, the, the smallest, most concrete little version of our assessment. And then if they need to refer to ongoing services, our juvenile justice early intervention youth services, they have an assessment tool. Our system of care high fidelity wraparound workers have have one that's able to then help with that case management piece. How do we work together so that a family doesn't feel pulled apart by those things? 
We actually now have a provider community getting trained in our tool, not just in in reading it, but actually certified in understanding it. So we do it as part of our referrals to treatment providers. Um, And then when we recertify, we actually cross-system recertify. So this will be our third year of doing it by geographical area. But we have DCFS, JJS, System of Care, Stabilization and Mobile Response, and the providers come to a session together so that we can have a little bit of that conversation from those different viewpoints, right? It's a little parallel process, our own little consensus building meeting about how it's going. We're able to also kind of share resources and talk about problem spots for those questions that are hard and how do you approach asking that Hmm. and do some peer-to-peer learning, which has been really exciting. So that's kind of our main focus right now is just getting that broader community all speaking the same language. Well, it sounds like it's constantly sort of unfolding into offering you new things to to explore and to pursue. Yeah. So, okay, with that being where you are right now, is there is there anything that's a place that you can imagine your work going or something you're sort of yes. like trying, trying to build and hoping that it's going to come together? What's that step? Yes. The next one we're really, really hoping for is that one of our partner agencies is a a peer support run agency. So people with lived experience. And our goal is really to start having people certified as trainers through that agency, helping us do these cross-system trainings and recertifications. So it's someone who's had a facet completed with them, who's been on the other side, who's really helping us teach how to engage and how to break down some of that resistance and really understanding when, when we're getting kind of hit with those brick walls, what, what's going on behind that? And how do we use lived experience to really help elevate our workforce? Because it is our frontline case managers doing these youth assets. Who better to teach us than people that have been, have lived the other side um, and know how they would have responded better had they been approached that way. So that's, that's our next big goal. Um, those conversations are underway. I think lots of places are going at peer support right now, so they get lots of requests. Um, but that is on our horizon, hopefully, in the next few years. So, okay, before we go, I've been asking um, the other people I interviewed. So you, you know, flip off your computer at the end of the day. You turn off the lights in the office. Tell me about a nice, uh, sunny, and seventy-five degree Saturday. What would you? What do you like to do? Oh, well, we have some beautiful hiking around here. Um, I go a ton of places with my kids. I have three overachieving children. So I'm either going to be at a basketball game, I'm going to be at a track meet, or I'm going to be holding reflective lights for my daughter at her photo shoot. Um, Uh Or I'm hiking with my sister-in-law. That sounds like you're, you don't have any a lot of downtime. That's no, probably... no, I, I definitely have some functional ADHD and I just keep running around all the time. So <laughs> Just make the, make the best of it. Good. Make the best of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, my kids are getting older, so I'm running out of, I'm running out of the time that they're going to need me, so we're enjoying it. You know, this has been a recurring theme with with past uh, TCOM Champion Awards winners. I've, I've heard that same statement. Like We're all just kind of in this yeah. transition. You it's know. funny because we talk about that, like, so we have the protective factors built into the strengths of our youth asset. So we do a lot of protective factor reviews. We talk about teachable moments. And that's been the theme of my training for the last couple of years is I'm I'm there. You build up your whole type as a mom or as a parent. So, oh, they're going to get to 18. And then you get to 18 and you realize, oh, no, that's not like a finish line. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know what sort of finish line I thought that was. 
no, it's no. just a whole new set of learning experiences. <laughs> Something else to get caught up on. Yes. Well, Kyla, um, thanks a lot for sharing some time and talking yeah. to me and, and bringing us up to speed on where you are these days uh, in your in your work with TCOM. We appreciate it. I really thank you for sharing all of that and, and painting, a, painting the picture that you painted. I, I appreciate your time. Awesome. I, I enjoy talking about this topic. It's been really great to be part of this community. And I, I love seeing that you pass it. My biggest joy right now is that we're starting to see it reflect well in our CFSR. And so when we're getting to those assessment items of our federal review and, and you facet keeps coming up, it's like, oh yeah, and they were really gay. And I was like, yeah, there we go. We're getting some benefit out of it, which is nice to have some, some stats like that in your back pocket. Indeed it is. I'd like to thank Kyla Clark once again for sharing her time and her recollections with us in this first episode of Tales from the Collaborative. If you enjoyed this TCOM Champions interview, I encourage you to check out TCOM's other podcast, Shift Shift Bloom. I'm host Kristen Sorelli, and in season one, my interviews explored the theme of people and change, with guests like Jordan, a trans man, Michelle, a traumatic brain injury survivor, and Greg, a Methodist minister turned yak farmer. In addition, Every episode was accompanied by a companion show, TCOM Takeaways, in which Dr. John Lyons shared his insights on each new guest's story from the TCOM perspective. As we put the finishing touches on season two, now would be a great time to catch up. Both shows are available wherever you listen to podcasts. Tales from the Collaborative is made possible in part by the Prade Foundation, a nonprofit organization committed to improving the well-being of all through the use of personalized, timely interventions and provider of online training in the TCOM tools. TCOM is Transformational Collaborative Outcomes Management, a comprehensive framework for improving the effectiveness of helping systems through person-centered care. Online at PradeFoundation.org and at TCOMConversations.org and by the Center for Innovation and Population Health at the University of Kentucky, online at iph.uky.edu.